Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My husband and I, well, we were newlyweds when our encounter with Bigfoot happened during the Christmas season up around Odell Lake in central Oregon. Here is our account and story. Our account, by the way, is true, and this is what my husband and I saw and what we experienced while on a belated honeymoon or Christmas getaway. And no, this did not deter us from the future plans we were making to move to this part of the country at all. Not even a little bit. Actually, it gave us even more of a reason to relocate and live here, as you will soon understand. My husband and I were orphans. It was crazy to meet someone like him who was... Well, like me, from an adopted home. We met at school after my parents relocated to the Bay Area. Come to find out a week later, we would also attend the same church, too. Yes, my parents are my loving, awesome parents, and they have raised a pretty well-rounded daughter, I believe. Been great in school, leads a home Bible study to this day, and ended up with a degree in marketing. My husband ended up in a very loving home as well. 
His parents were also believers who loved him and gave him every advantage some orphan children never get to experience. So because of that, he became an organizer for a large Christian outreach program for orphaned children around the world. It keeps him at home, but from time to time, he does have to leave for a few days or so at a time. Thus, the reason for a belated honeymoon. As I said, we both had a lot in common faith, fun music, movies, and a love for the great outdoors. We loved the Pacific Northwest, especially. It was this love for the outdoors that led us to an unexpected run in with this animal or creature called Bigfoot. It was Christmas time nearly a decade ago. We had been married almost a year at that time. We opted for a December wedding because we were winter freaks, I suppose, and I did not want to wait any longer. Besides, Christmas and anniversaries sounded great together. He had to be gone for a few days right after our wedding, so we promised each other a belated honeymoon and a Christmas in the Pacific Northwest, preferably Oregon, Central Oregon. That brings me to our encounter, something rather frightening but interesting all at the same time. And, yes, it gave us a Christmas and belated honeymoon we would never forget. Central Oregon it was. Lake Odell, to be exact. Our one-year anniversary. And the honeymoon we missed. And Christmas that year would be spent there. Our parents would meet us up there right before Christmas Eve, but we would be there for a whole week before and a few days after Christmas. We wanted at least ten days of just enjoying each other, and God's green earth together. Well, it turned out to be a white earth with all the snow. That was fine by us, as a matter of fact, we were into sledding and even cross-country skiing. So, with everything packed, including skies, we set off for a long drive. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. It took us hours upon hours to get there, but by nightfall we made it all safe and sound. I have to say it was even more beautiful than I expected, even as the sun was almost gone and I could only see so far. I could make the outline of the surrounding mountains, the lake that looked to have frozen edges, and some lights from a couple cabins that must be in use nearby. There were not a lot of cabin lights, I noticed. Just a couple from what I could tell, but then again, there were so many trees everywhere, so who could tell if there were more? Anyways, our cabin was just out of sight of the lodge, yet within the shelter cove section. Within a couple minutes, we made it to the cabin. We were exhausted and decided to just unpack real quick and turn in for the night. Of course, we could not sleep just yet, so we grabbed some hot tea and enjoyed the warmth of the fireplace. The first night was quiet and uneventful. It was not until the next day that some odd occurrences and weird things would be noticed and experienced. I was up first the next morning. I grabbed a few things we forgot out of the car and got the skies off the rack and leaned them up against the cabin on the front porch area. I decided to take a quick walk with a hot cup of coffee down by the edge of the lake about fifty feet from the cabin. As I came to the edge of the lake, I noticed I was correct. The lake was frozen to about twenty or so feet, out from the shoreline. I also noticed I was not the only visitor to this part of the lake. I noticed footprints. At first it took me a few seconds to grasp what I was looking at. I even pulled my head up and looked around. I remember wondering who in the world is running around this place barefoot. It was around thirty degrees out that morning, I remember. Clear skies, but thirty degrees. I did not notice if they were overly large at the time or not, 
All I could really make out was the front half of each foot. Trust me, it was frozen solid down by the lake. Any impression at all would have to be from someone or something very heavy. That was the weird part at the time that made me think for a minute. I looked around at my surroundings a bit and then back down at the footprints that led along the edge of the lake towards the lodge, thinking. It was a little odd, I thought, but that was it. I just thought it was odd. I told my husband over breakfast, and he, like me, agreed there must be one not so smart cookie up here this week. The rest of the day was spent having fun. Of course, it was midweek, so the crowd was sparse at best, which was fine by us. I have to say, the couple running the resort were awesome folks. We'd told them about this being our belated honeymoon and our real first Christmas together. With that, they had brought us a Christmas tree and some ornaments for it. It was a sweet gesture we took full advantage of that second night. We trimmed the tree, ate dinner, and decided to take a walk down by the lake right before dark. We walked along the shore away from the lodge in a northeasterly direction. It was then that we thought we heard a whistle coming from the woods above us. It whistled a second time, and you could not mistake it. Someone was whistling in the woods. My husband thought nothing of it, only mentioning it was probably just a person passing by. As we walked, the whistles kept coming, not constantly, but every few minutes or so. Back in the cabin once again, we turned in for the night. The next morning, as usual, I was up before my husband, not wasting one minute up there. I filled up my coffee cup and headed out the door for a walk along the lake while my husband slept. As I barely got past where we parked the car when I noticed footprints in the snow again. This time I knew they were fresh. I was out here yesterday and would have noticed them. These, however, were rather large, I noticed. And the length between them. The stride was rather long. I would wait until my husband woke up to show him, and I continued with my walk. This time that morning I did feel a little off while on my walk. I felt like I was being watched. My husband, being the sweetheart he is, called over to the lodge to let them know what we found. It was a husband and wife team by chance that ran the place back then, and the husband came over to check it out. He joked about it, but he did mention Bigfoot. We all laughed at it, of course, but he did say that there had, over time, been reports of sightings of the creature around the area. But he reassured us he had never seen one, and personally did not believe they even existed. To this day I believe he was telling us the truth. I think he never heard anything or noticed anything while he, they, were there. They all shook it off to be somebody messing around. But who it was could not be anyone staying there at the time. The other couples were older folks for the most part. Either way, he said he would keep an extra eye out, and that we should, too. It was my husband that woke me up in the middle of the night two days later. He was wide-eyed and fully awake. No, he was not frightened or scared at all, but he was fully alert and dragged me out of bed and over to the window in the kitchen. He propped open the window just a bit. The cold night breeze almost hurt to tell you the truth, but he insisted I stand still and listen, howling but not a dog type of howl more like a deep, almost screaming howl coming from the mountains behind the cabin. Later, a month later, listening to some recordings I would find online. I can honestly tell you it was a Bigfoot howling that night besides, and not just because we would see it. 
The sounds were freaky and in a weird, chilling kind of a way. After a few minutes and at the behest of me to shut the window, my husband reluctantly did so. We chatted again for a bit about it before we both fell back to sleep. Mine and my husband's parents would be there in just a few days to spend the last four days with us. Of course, it would all be in the cabin next to us. Well, not right next to us. Well, not right next to us. It was about forty, fifty feet away from ours. The footprints and now the howling was making me feel a little uncomfortable. Not for my safety or anything like that, really looking back now I do. But then it was just feeling uncomfortable with my parents being there to experience these weird little things. At that time, we were about to spring it on our folks that we would, inside a year, be moving to Central Oregon. I wanted nothing to make them feel any more worried about, including Bigfoot. Well, as far-fetched as Bigfoot seemed to me at that moment, it could be a little bit of an issue. The rest of that day, I decided to let it go. I put Bigfoot out of my mind and started focusing on getting things ready and get some skiing in with the husband. There were no more weird feelings of being watched or howls for a night or two after that night. However, the footprints were still being found all over the place, and some came pretty close to the cabin. Our cabin. The parents would be there the next day, the day after my husband and I realized how real these things, this Bigfoot species is. Christmas Eve. Eve. It was the weekend, and we decided to get some cross-country skiing in. It was a clear day, the snow had stopped, and clear skies were to be the weather pattern for the next few days to come. No creepy feelings came that day, I remember, but then again, there were a lot of people enjoying the snow that whole weekend, especially the last day of the weekend. Like many animals, maybe being a little fearful and weary of humans runs deep with this species as well. Some of the stories I hear seem to fly in the face of that belief, but when you see these things and know they are there... Well, I think they would rather not be involved with people, for the most part at least. But, back to the day. It was great. All of it. I was having a great Christmas vacation and honeymoon and telling you the truth. A part of me was a little thrilled with the footprints and howling going on. It made it just that much more exciting to a point. However, exciting would turn into less excitement and more of a cautious interest, and massive of shock at first, too. We had eaten dinner, I made some cookies earlier for dessert, and some hot cocoa. With peppermint? I always add peppermint to my cocoa. We were wrapping gifts for our parents when I noticed some movement near the kitchen window. Mind you, the kitchen window was rather high off the ground and larger than you expect for a rental cabin in the woods. Whatever it was, I could not see the street light down the way towards the lodge I could usually see through the window. Whatever it was was blocking it. As I looked out the window, it only took seconds, and then all of a sudden, well, I felt a sense of shock go right through me. I grabbed my husband's arm tightly, I remember. He even made a sound. It was so hard. He followed my gaze at that moment out the kitchen window. I have seen film of Bigfoot since then, and I have to say, there was a film of one walking through the forest in the Sierras, I believe, by a forest service guy. That was it except I could see the face in the upper torso. Well, I think most of the upper torso. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. Its face was not human, but it did have a human likeness to it. 
The report of an ape-like nose I can understand, however, it was not smashed down like a great ape. You could see a sort of rounded nose that was longer than it was smashed. Work from home. Click here to learn more about how you can partner with a great company today and start that work-at-home lifestyle today. The face was long and the eyes were huge, but had a ton of wrinkles around them, between the red eye shine and the wrinkles. That is what made this thing look truly scary. Its mouth was huge, and I could even see some of the teeth between the large lips. The skin was dark gray, not gray, but a darker gray, like a real dark, stormy sky before a bad storm. It had no ears sticking out, and the hair seemed to be a dark, dark brown. At least it looked like it. The eyes were huge. It just looked scary. There was little hair between the nose and lower forehead area. We got a good look at this thing. It was wrinkly, too, very wrinkly. It looked at us as though it was curious, but frustrated all at the same time. Or perhaps it was just frustrated and wanted to eat us. I don't know. I don't think anyone is in the heads of these things yet. It blinked once, then turned and walked off. We immediately jumped up, locked the front door, and I shut off the lights. We had no gun at the time, so we were rather frightened for our own safety because of that fact. We stood there for about another three, four minutes, just staring out the window, talking about what we saw. While in the middle of talking, or whispering more like it, that creature, that Bigfoot thing, came back into view, except closer to the tree line about thirty yards from the cabin. It was tall, but compared to me, anything was tall compared to me. Well, as I am all of the five feet six, but this thing, well, it had to be at least eight feet tall. My husband the next morning would say at around seven. Seventy one or two feet tall when he compared it to the tree it was next to. It was standing near a large pine tree, a Douglas fir, if I remember correctly. It was visible because of the street light near the lodge, casting a backlight on it. I could not make out the face any more, but it was tall, long arms, and seemed to have a slight bend at the hips as it walked away. It had a funny-looking gait. When people say it steps one foot in front of the other, it does, and I don't think it can help it the way the shape of the body looked. Hopefully, those of you who have seen this thing can understand what I mean. We immediately called over to the lodge, waking up the managers. The husband came out on a ski machine about twenty minutes later, and he too was surprised at the footprints. Their shape, size, and the fact that they looked close to human footprints. However, he noticed that the big toe was off too far to the side to be human, unless the human happened to be a giant person with deformed feet. Well, we wanted to laugh at the comment to keep our spirits up. We all just looked around and parted ways, quickly heading back inside. It was late. It was just after midnight by that point, and the parents would be there that day. While we eventually did fall asleep, it was not until after a cup of tea and some time to process what we had seen. In the meadow, we built an abominable snowman. Scary, but with all the people out and about up here during the holiday week, I felt more... Well, lucky to have seen what I saw the night before than anything. However, I was still a little freaked out. I guess I felt that way because I was in what I felt to be a safer environment at the time. Some people are not when they have an encounter. We kept close to the resort as we walked around a bit the next day, but most of the time was spent getting things, ready for the parents' arrival, 
Of course, a bit after they arrived, we told our parents what we experienced that night over dinner, and they did believe us, so much so that my mom wandered around a little nervous I could tell the next few days. We also told them that we were relocating to central Oregon, to the Bend area to be exact. They were a little sad at the news, but they joked that I could do some research on the ape. Like creature we saw in our cabin window. I had a disturbing experience when I was younger. My family was on a day trip by car and we stopped at a fast food restaurant to eat. We walk in and immediately I was overcome with a, a sense of extreme dread and fear. I soon noticed a man eating by himself. He was pale, skinned and wearing a white pullover shirt. He also had on a yellow knitted cap. The hair was sticking out of it as if he had been wearing this for a long period of time. I was extremely frightened with a feeling of evil that was overwhelming. His looks didn't alarm me, but his aura was ominous. I immediately lost my appetite because of my sense of terror. I couldn't help but look over at this man. He was also moving in very slow and deliberate. As I looked closer, his fingernails were long and bluish in color. His eyes were black, which stood out against his pale skin. I tried to get my parents to notice, but they continued talking. Apparently, no one else was picking up this vibration of malevolence. Eventually, I abruptly interrupted their conversation and said, Look at that man over there, while nodding in his direction. My father turned and said, Which man? That quickly, the strange man had disappeared. There was no trace of him. I had only taken my eyes off of him for a few seconds. He simply vanished. I still felt his presence. In fact, I felt like he was near me for the rest of the day. I have never had that same feeling since that day, but I know I have seen the same strange man on several occasions. I truly believe that the he was actually there and that he somehow disappeared into an... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Alternate Realm
First time I set foot in Eldermas National Park. A remote and sprawling wilderness shrouded in ancient secrets. I knew my life was about to change forever. As a dedicated park ranger, I had spent years patrolling various terrains, but Eldermist was different. The place whispered about in hushed tones where legends of supernatural forces were woven into the fabric of the land itself. My initial assignments were routine. Checking trails, maintaining campsites, and ensuring the safety of the few brave souls who ventured into this vast expanse of untamed beauty. The air was thick with an otherworldly energy, a sense that I was an intruder in a realm that had existed long before humanity ever set foot here. It wasn't long before I began to notice the peculiarities, the oddities that defied rational explanation. Unsettling shadows danced on the periphery of my vision, darting behind ancient trees and disappearing into the underbrush. Whispered voices carried on the wind, murmuring secrets I could never quite discern. Symbols... Strange and intricate were etched into the bark of trees as if marking a hidden path through the forest that only those attuned to its mysteries could follow. As the days turned into weeks, my curiosity morphed into an obsession. I became consumed by the need to uncover the truth behind these eerie occurrences. With each new patrol, each maintenance routine, I ventured deeper into the heart of the park, driven by an insatiable desire to decipher its enigmatic language. One moonlit night, as I stood beneath the ancient boughs of a colossal oak, a revelation struck me like a bolt of lightning. These occurrences were not mere chance or tricks of the mind. They were a deliberate message, a calling from the depths of the forest itself. Determined to unveil the truth, I followed the symbols etched into the trees, guiding me deeper into the labyrinthine heart of the wilderness. My journey led me to a clearing where a flickering fire cast eerie shadows across the gnarled roots of the trees. There, amidst the dancing flames, I beheld a chilling tableau. An ancient cult, draped in tattered robes and adorned with bone and feather trinkets, performing a dark and forbidden ritual. Their chants resonated with an otherworldly power, invoking the malevolent spirits that dwelled within the very essence of the forest. Trapped by the gravity of the scene before me, I realized with a sinking heart that I had stumbled upon an age-old pact between humanity and the supernatural. These cultists sought to harness the power of the forest spirits, to wield forces beyond their comprehension for their own nefarious purposes. And in the midst of their right, they turned their attention to me, their eyes glowing with an unholy fervor. With a primal instinct, I retreated into the shadows, my heart racing and my breath coming in ragged gasps. I was trapped alone in the heart of Eldermas National Park, pursued by forces that defied the laws of nature. The cultists, driven by their insatiable hunger for power, would stop at nothing to ensure their ritual success, even if it meant making me their next sacrifice. My days and nights blurred together, a desperate struggle to survive against the malevolent forces that now consume the park. I evaded the cultists' relentless pursuit, piecing together the fragments of ancient knowledge that might grant me a shred of power against them. With each passing moment, the boundary between the mundane and the supernatural grew thinner, until it was as if I existed on the precipice of two worlds, one of reality and one of ancient eldritch power. As the final confrontation drew near, I knew that the fate of the park, perhaps even the world, hung in the balance. 
Armed with newfound knowledge and a determination forged in the crucible of unimaginable horrors, I confronted the cultists in a climactic battle that would determine the very fate of Eldermist National Park. In the end, as the echoes of their chants faded into the night, the forces they had summoned were banished back into the depths from which they came. The forest fell into a heavy silence, as if sighing in relief, and I stood amidst the aftermath, bloodied and battered but victorious. The cult had been vanquished, the ancient pact shattered, and the park's supernatural secrets once again hidden beneath the surface. With my task complete, I left Eldermist National Park forever changed by the harrowing ordeal. The shadows and whispers had been silenced, but the memory of that haunting experience would forever linger, a reminder that in the heart of the wilderness ancient forces lie dormant, waiting for those brave or foolish enough to seek them out. I'll never forget that eerie night in the wilderness. It was a camping trip like no other, filled with inexplicable encounters and strange occurrences. We stumbled upon a massive footprint, larger than anything we had ever seen before, and couldn't resist capturing photographs as evidence of our astonishing find. As we examined the area further, we discovered signs that something large had bedded down nearby, confirming our suspicions that we were not alone. As the evening settled in, the atmosphere became charged with an otherworldly energy. Strange noises echoed through the surrounding woods, and our senses were on high alert. Through the flickering glow of the campfire and lanterns, we started to catch glimpses of glowing red eyes peering back at us from the darkness. The presence of these mysterious beings unnerved some of our group members, and they urged us to leave. Reluctantly, we began to pack up our belongings. It was then that my wife placed our three-year-old daughter in her car seat. To our astonishment, our young daughter turned to my wife and calmly recounted seeing a big monkey leaning over the car, peering through the window at her. The revelation sent chills down our spines, confirming there was indeed something extraordinary happening in our midst. Despite the initial fear and uncertainty, we decided to return to the same location on several occasions. As we became more familiar with these enigmatic creatures, we realized that they were not a threat to us. They would playfully run through our camp, causing a commotion and shaking our campers. They would even toss small objects at us, but never with the intent to harm. Rather than hurling large rocks in our direction, their projectiles consisted of pine cones, landing harmlessly nearby. We surmised that these beings had their own sense of mischievousness and curiosity. They seemed to understand that we posed no danger to them, and in turn they did not pose a threat to us. Our coexistence became a peculiar dance, with the daytime hours devoted to our exploration of their territory, searching for any signs they might have left behind. However, it was during the night time when their true nature would come alive, as they reveled in their nocturnal activities. Intrigued by the unexplained, I had joined a research group that specialized in studying these elusive creatures. They discovered that my ability to imitate their calls and screams proved effective and attractive in attracting their attention. It was an incredible and sometimes unnerving experience to have them respond to my calls, as if they recognized the familiar sounds of their own kind. The wilderness holds many secrets, and my encounters with these creatures have left an indelible mark on my life. 
The stories and experiences I have accumulated through these interactions only deepen my fascination with the unknown. Though the world may dismiss such accounts as mere folklore, for those who have witnessed the unexplained, it is a reminder that our understanding of the natural world is far from complete. First of all, I have kept this to myself for many years, for fear that people would say we were nuts. It was early summer, late spring. My brother and I were test-driving his new Toyota pickup. I guess it would be south and east of the Mill Creek watershed near the wash. Oregon border. We had just crossed Mill Creek and passed the watershed entrance about a mile or so up the hill. The road was gravel and one side was steep embankment down into the gorge, and the other went straight up. We had stopped to take a leak on the side of the road. As I stand there, I looked across the gorge. It was approximately 100 yards. And there on an old tree stump was this thing, just standing there, motionless, looking at us. It was about 2.30 or so in the afternoon clear sunny day, about 75 degrees. I quickly turned to my brother, who was standing at the other end of the truck, and told him to look up on the hill. We both stood there looking at this thing, look at us for a good five minutes, or so. Then, as if it were never there, it turned and disappeared into the trees. It looked like a large, hairy man, kind of brownish, with dark streaks and patches on the shoulders and hips and legs. It moved so quickly it was there, one second gone the next. I do not recall any significant smells, but it was big whatever it was. We could not get to the area where it was standing due to the terrain, so we could not see if there were any tracks. But if they are out there, that area, above Walla Walla, is where they are. It sends a chill down my spine whenever I think about that unsettling incident back in mid-2014. I was living and working as a berry picker in Sala, Lapland, Finland at the time. The vast, picturesque landscapes of Lapland had always captivated me, but little did I know that I would soon be caught up in a bewildering mystery. It was a typical day, and as evening approached, I found myself waiting for a lift back to my apartment. I remember making a call to my contact, eager to share something unusual that had been unnerving me. Something weird is following me. It's like a dog or something. I whispered into the phone. Fear tingled in the back of my mind, but before I could delve deeper into the conversation, my cell phone abruptly switched off. It was either a drained battery or a deliberate act on my part. What happened next is still shrouded in confusion and unanswered questions. I vanished without a trace. Despite exhaustive efforts by the authorities, no tracks were found in the vicinity, neither human nor animal. The mysterious disappearance prompted a police investigation, initially labeling it a total mystery. However, their stance swiftly changed, dismissing it as an animal attack and ceasing further search operations. It seemed as if they were intentionally diverting attention and downplaying the incident, urging everyone to move on. The search parties, initially composed of Finnish military and police personnel, were abruptly disbanded. The involvement of my co-workers, who knew me well and spoke my language, was severely restricted. What started as a joint effort gradually transformed into a military and police operation shrouded in secrecy. They discovered the bucket of berries and my intact clothes at the scene, which the police later claimed were left there by my co-workers. 
It struck me as odd that they hadn't handed over these items directly to the officials, instead choosing to abandon them deep within the forest. No traces of blood, no footprints, no signs of struggle or any clue as to what could have happened to me. In the area where I vanished, bears and wolves are known to inhabit, but their behavior didn't align with the circumstances surrounding my disappearance. Bears tend to avoid humans, and wolf attacks typically occur in packs. So, what was the strange creature that I saw? Why did I abruptly end the phone call out of fear? The only description provided was that of a large, dog-like, dark animal. There was no information regarding whether it walked on two legs or not. What perplexes me even more is the subsequent silence surrounding the incident. The Finland National Broadcast Network, ILA, which was then state-owned, has erased any mention of the case from its website. The mainstream Finnish media has remained conspicuously silent, with only tabloids occasionally alluding to the incident. It strikes me as odd because in our small country, even minor events make national news. While it's possible to attribute this to a mere animal attack, the circumstances surrounding the incident leave me uneasy. The abrupt end to my phone call, the heavy military presence, the removal of information from the news, and the swift conclusion of the search operation all raise red flags. Additionally, the description of the creature itself defies logical explanation, as does the absence of any tracks. In that area, the only plausible options for a large, dark creature are bears or perhaps moose. But bear attacks on humans are rare, and I cannot recall any such incidents. In previous encounters involving bears, they would stumble upon someone and quickly retreat. The truth behind what happened to me remains elusive, buried beneath a veil of secrecy and unanswered question. It serves as a haunting reminder that even in the serene beauty of Lapland's wilderness, there are enigmas lurking just beyond our understanding. I had been a police officer for ten years and had seen my fair share of strange things. But nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered at Graceland Cemetery. It was a quiet night, just past midnight, when the call came in. There had been reports of strange activity at the cemetery, and I was the closest officer on duty. As I made my way through the winding roads leading to the cemetery, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off. When I arrived, I saw that the gate was wide open. It was strange since the cemetery was supposed to be closed for the night. I walked cautiously into the cemetery, my flashlight guiding my way. As I approached a particular gravestone, I saw a figure standing near it. At first, I thought it was just a person paying their respects to the deceased, but as I got closer I realized that this was no ordinary person. It was a tall figure with a pale complexion and piercing red eyes. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. I tried to call out to it, but it just stood there staring at me. Suddenly the figure started to move towards me. I tried to back away, but I was rooted to the spot. It was then that I realized that I was facing something beyond my understanding. It was like the creature was toying with me, playing with my mind. I don't remember how long I stood there, frozen in fear. But the next thing I knew, the creature was gone, vanished into the night. I was left alone with my thoughts, trying to make sense of what I had just experienced. In the days that followed, Mineral Point was gripped by a strange epidemic of mass hysteria. 
People reported seeing the same creature I had encountered in the cemetery. It was like a vampire had descended upon our quiet town, and there was no escaping its grasp. Over the years, there were sudden outbreaks and bizarre crimes that were attributed to the Mineral Point vampire. But despite all efforts to catch the creature, it remained elusive, always lurking in the shadows, waiting for its next victim. Now, years later, I still can't shake off the memory of that fateful night. The Mineral Point vampire may be gone, but the fear it instilled in me remains. Every time I pass by Graceland Cemetery, I can't help but wonder if the creature is still out there waiting for its next victim. Okay, I will first start this with saying I've never believed in the mythical creature crap. But after what I saw, I kind of have changed my mind. I was walking in the woods behind my house last Monday. I was on a dirt road, and all of a sudden I heard a very, very, very loud thump on the ground, like if a 20,000-pound bull could run, and I kind of ran to try to get a glimpse of it, thinking it was a deer. I saw a person-like figure, very, very dark. It could be dark because of shadows or whatnot. The time was five in the afternoon, by the way, broad daylight. Anyway, it, it was kind of skinny, but not really. It looked like it had horns, but I couldn't really tell because I only saw it for a split second before it absolutely bolted off. And any time I go in the woods, I carry a gun. I decided to carry a shotgun today. Seeing what I thought was some meth head or mythical creature, I pulled my shotgun off of my back and kept walking a little down the road, and I immediately called my friend and told him what happened. I wasn't worried in the moment considering I had a gun because nothing is bulletproof, and I kept walking, and I got a feeling to just turn around. So that's what I did. After processing what I saw all the way home, I was looking behind my shoulder. I would take about two steps and look behind me, but whatever I saw, it didn't make any noises. It just ran off. It didn't trot off like a deer. It ran like a person. I told my brother today about it, and he told me that within the year, he was outside at night with our dad just in my driveway, and he saw something hunched over. No hair, pointy ears, and grayish in color run past, probably about 30 miles per hour, from a corner of the house to a car parked right next to it. This was about 10 feet away from him, by the way, and he at first thought it was a person, and he went and looked behind the car, and there wasn't anything there. He also looked under and didn't see anything. He said it was absolutely quiet as well. He asked our dad if he heard or saw anything, and he said no, so he didn't know what he saw. The thing my brother described didn't sound like what I saw, but I believe him. I wonder how long this creature or creatures have been out there. I'm very creeped out, though, and I really don't want to go back out there anyway. I'm not asking you to believe me, because just a week ago, if I read this, I would say this is fake aff, but not any damn more. I'm just asking for some help to understand what I saw.